Hi, this is Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. We are at Community Justice 2016, where 400 people have gathered in Chicago for three days to share ideas about justice reform. With me are three people who are leaders of efforts to improve justice systems both locally and nationally. Denise O'Donnell is the Director of the Bureau of Justice Assistance at the Department of Justice. Mark Kammerer is the Supervisor of Alternative Prosecution and the Sentencing Unit at the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. And Jose Egerbide is the Supervising Attorney in the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office. Now something you all have in common is a grant program supported by the Bureau of Justice Assistance called the Smart Prosecution Initiative. Denise O'Donnell, I thought maybe you could explain what the Smart Prosecution Initiative is and how the Bureau is using it to support innovation and test new ideas. Sure. So I'm a former prosecutor, and when I came to BJA, I felt we really didn't have enough focus on prosecutors and the role prosecutors can play in justice reform. And we had a great program uh, called Smart Policing that had been operating for a number of years that actually um, funded police practitioner partnerships, research partnerships, to look at innovative approaches and collect data, analyze them, um, and assess the outcomes of the program. So we brainstormed a little about that and thought it was a great model for prosecutors as well. Um, so prosecutors can innovate, they can try new approaches, they can work with a researcher, collect data, um, and work on programs like diversion programs, uh, like community justice centers, um, and, and so many other initiatives. Um, so it's now part of a smart suite of programs at BJA. We now have nine programs working in this model um, to really promote criminal justice innovation. Mark and Jose, now both of you have grants under the Smart Prosecution Initiative, and they're similar in that they're both helping divert offenders from more traditional sentences. And so let me ask you both, why would a prosecutor's office be interested in diverting people from punishments that would get them more deeply involved in the justice system? So I don't know, Mark, do you want to go first? Sure. <clears throat> We've actually uh, been involved in diversion for decades. Um, when I came to the office in 2000, there was a drug diversion program that had been around since the 70s. But the one of the things that we found with uh, a lot of uh, our alternative sentencing, basically treatment courts, was that people had uh, engaged in, in significant criminal activity before they got to treatment court. So what we wanted to do was possibly intervene with people at an earlier stage uh, with the hope being that we could interrupt the cycle uh, before they got to the point where they had significant background that would warrant being in a, an intensive 24-month uh, probation program. So we, we have, uh, our office has been, uh, especially in the last four or five years, very involved in diverting people out of the system as early as possible. It's kind of a, we've, we've kind of implemented a medical model that people are, are diverted at the earliest point with the least amount of intervention possible, knowing that we have a whole system, a whole continuum that we could uh, advance to another level if needs be. And the smart prosecution uh, process, the grant that we received with that was to 
uh, we were able to in involve risk assessment in our process. And one of, one of my experiences from uh, working in, in healthcare, you really need to objectify things as much as possible so we know who it is that we're working with and why we're working with them and what would be the best interventions. And we had not, that was one of the, the gaps in our system was we did not have s sufficient risk assessment uh, involvement. And that was one of the things that we, that was a, a cornerstone of the, the proposal that we made to BJA that was funded. Well, and I know, Jose, um, your uh, initiative as well, you're diverting people and you're also doing risk assessment. And let me just ask you, I thought prosecutors, you know, classically are interested in guilt and innocence. What does a risk assessment tool like both your programs use do for you? Well, thanks, Rob. Um, we're very excited to be here. And of course, we're, you know, we're very grateful for BJA's leadership and um, and the opportunities that that's creating, uh, as well as the CCI risk and needs assessment tool. What that's doing for us is it's given us an alternative to an already congested court system where we can focus more on rehabilitation and, as Mark said, uh, looking at it at the front end. Um, so you often see a lot of rehabilitation happening upon reentry, um, and we also believe that um, when you talk about alternative prosecution, when you talk about restorative justice, um, you need to restore the victim, you need to restore the community, but you also need to restore the offender to a position where they'll be a more productive member of society going forward. Well, so let's talk a little bit specifically about what a risk assessment tool is, because you both use a similar tool that the Center for Court Innovation developed with Bureau of uh, Justice Assistance support and it's evidence-based, it's been tested, but tell me how it actually functions. What do you, what does it tell you and what does it allow you to do? Sure, a, a needs and risk assessment tool, and now there are some tools that are just risk assessment. Um, the Center for Court Innovation uh, tool that we use was selected specifically because it also focuses on a needs assessment. So again, when you talk about restorative justice, our program, the Neighborhood Justice Program, intercepts those individuals at the pre-filing stage before a case a criminal case is ever filed against them and then allows us to take a look at uh, you know needs responsivity it take a look at um, what are some of the dynamic risk factors that this individual exhibits and be able to fashion out either uh, resources or obligations that will address that those needs and that risk so I think when you're talking about, as Denise was mentioning, smart uh, prosecution, this is an evidence-based approach that will lead to better outcomes and it'll lead to uh, a lower level of recidivism. And so Mark, what do you do? You get the results of a survey, uh, I mean of the assessment, and then what kinds of sentences, or I guess they're not formal sentences because it's diversion, but what kind of services are you linking the offenders to? One of the things that, that we were able to do with with our smart prosecution uh, grant program was to uh, give specific types of interventions to people based on the level of their risk. What had happened in the past, we had, we had a misdemeanor uh, uh, diversion program without risk assessment and everybody that that was eligible um, for other reasons all received the exact same intervention with the exact same expectations. Now with this this program, we divide the, the CCI um, tool divides people into low, medium, and high 
risk levels, and so we have a different expectation of people uh, what they need to do in order to have their case dismissed based on the level of their risk. What we what we do is they, people, like at the lowest levels, have an intervention and maybe an assessment and referral to services. At the high end, uh, are required to be engaged in a cognitive behavioral therapy program. Um, so we're looking at changing criminogenic thinking for people that are higher risk. Um, a side benefit for us uh, has been the ability that we're, we're trying to do is to show that people with a higher level of risk can be just as successful in a program like this as the people with a low level of risk. So we've actually been able to expand our eligibility criteria in terms of charging uh, in, within the, the time period that we've been uh, with this, this grant funding um, so that people who would not have been eligible when we started this program now are eligible because we've been able to show people with a little higher risk are not really a higher risk. They just need a different intervention. And, and just for people who are listening who may not be familiar with uh, the risk-needs-responsivity theory, which is what this whole model is based on, that um, a response or treatment, in order for it to be effective, it needs to match the offender's risk of reoffending. So higher risk, someone at higher risk of offending should have a higher intensity intervention. Which is so, exactly what, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's yeah. exactly what we designed. The, the people with a higher level of risk have a higher expectation. You're exactly right. And, you know, I just want to add from BJ's perspective, risk needs assessment tools have been around for a long time, but what CI, CCI did was develop a tool specifically for low-level and, and misdemeanor offenses, um, which tailors the kind of um, response um, to fit the offense, since individuals are, you know, might normally face a couple days in jail or a week or two in jail, um, the, so do the interventions or the alternatives um, match that level of uh, accountability. So referrals to services um, instead of spending two days in jail um, hopefully has a much better return on our investment. So let me ask you, Denise O'Donnell, the uh, Bureau of Justice Assistance, as you said, this, this program links the prosecutors also with uh, research partners, and you're encouraging prosecutors and other justice practitioners to use evidence-based tools. So obviously there's a theme here that uh, ev having, using evidence-based strategies is important. I wonder, maybe you could talk a little bit about why it's important, and do you think Obviously, these guys here and their offices have gotten that message, but is that message getting out uh, as far and as wide as you'd like it to get out to, to, to prosecutors and other and courts mm -hmm. and such? Well, it's always um, a struggle to, to reach everyone, um, but I think this conference is a good example of 400 people here participating in community justice programs. We had a recent uh, grant solicitation for community justice programs and had 70 different jurisdictions want to establish um, those programs, and we can only fund 10 of them. So the demand is certainly increasing, but what we see in, in Smart on Crime solutions is that you have to really have pilot programs like we see, or beyond pilot programs, but you have to have programs that you'll evaluate and look at the outcomes. And I think that is what convinces people that a, we can expand the model because we have some really good results, uh, or other jurisdictions um, become interested in trying to replicate what has been successfully done in Los Angeles or here in Cook County. 
Um, Jose, did you want to say something? No, I just wanted to say that, uh, just to echo Denise's comments, that, you know, I mean, through our city attorney, Mike Fuhrer, uh, who, who really embraces restorative justice and, you know, um, transformational as opposed to transactional approach to, you know, to addressing these, um, these offenses, um, I think that we're, we're really changing the way that our traditional criminal justice system works because we're alleviating an already congested system, but we're doing it in a way where, as Mark said, we're able to fashion out specific um, uh, engagement strategies for each individual because we're using smart prosecution, because we're using um, a risk and needs assessment tool that's specifically designed for low-level offenders. So I think it's great, and I think that the tool for those listeners that may not be familiar with it allows you to identify either housing issues, education issues, or other challenges that an individual might have and be able to have us link them to those services so that at the end what you have is a person who's being held accountable but also comes out of the process a little bit better without the negative consequences of a conviction or or something that's going to you know hinder them from going forward in a positive way well i think that nicely summarizes what the smart prosecution initiative is all about so i want to thank you all three of you for taking time out from the Community Justice 2016 to speak with me. Thank you, Rob. Thanks Thank for you. Us. So I've been speaking with Denise O'Donnell, who's the Director of the Bureau of Justice Assistance at the Department of Justice, Mark Kammerer, Supervisor of Alternative Prosecution and the Sentencing Unit at the Cook County State's Attorney's Office here in Chicago, and Jose Egarbide, who is the Supervising Attorney in the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office. I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. Thanks for listening.